The nail in the coffin! Episode number 48. I am Tom Valentino, joined as always by Travis Uli, and we are recording on Monday night. Hey, Trav, this uh, officially marks uh, the beginning of year two for us here on the pod. In your wildest dreams, could you have ever imagined that as we get started on our second year at doing this, that uh, we'd be sitting here on the eve of the Indians hosting game one of the World Series uh, on the same night that the Cavs are going to be raising an NBA championship banner? Uh, I don't think either one of us would, would have expected. Um, it's wild what's happened in the last year. It's it's. I think we sort of when we first kicked this off, we we. I don't I don't want to say we fell back on, but we often discussed you know, the, the only in Cleveland type stuff, and it sort of seems that, uh, maybe we get some credit for that, but it seems like a lot of that has uh, gone to the wayside over the last twelve months. Well, whether we get credit for it or not, I can't imagine a better 12-month stretch in our lifetimes to start a Cleveland sports podcast because it's been really damn fun, and uh, we've had a lot of good stuff to talk about. It's been awesome. No question. Absolutely. I mean, the Cavs season was obviously incredible. I think no matter what happens with the Indians now, um, this has been the most fun October we've probably had in a long time. So um, let's, let's keep it up for another week and a half. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I was just thinking about this a lot today and I don't know what it is that's been different, but I mean, you had the, the 07 team with the Indians go to the, uh, the ALCS game seven, uh, the 2013 team um, really had an awesome September to end up clinching the top wild card. And I know that kind of fizzled after one game, but that was a fun team, but I can't remember a team since the mid nineties Indians that's really captured the attention of the town the way that this team has over the last six weeks or so. This, this whole thing just feels different. There's a different buzz around town. People are way more into it and it feels like the good old days to me. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's wild. I mean, Cleveland's always, I don't, they've always embraced the Indians when they're winning. Um, when they're good, but this is, I, I agree with you. This definitely has a different feel than the last two playoff teams have had. Um, everyone, everyone's, I mean, and, and I th- honestly, I think the Cavs have a lot to do with that. Um, they sort of, and I know it, it's sort of cliche and it might be a bit, you know, dramatic, but they seem to have erased that sort of what was me, uh, you know, some, whatever, something Cleveland will happen. And that's a, sort of the mindset that was always around, even when, um, even when we did have teams in the hunt. So I think the fact that we got that, you know, sort of that burden off and we can just enjoy it has uh, changed people's outlook a lot, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know if that has a direct correlation to what actually happens on the field or on the court, but in, in terms of just fans in the stands and, you know, when you're you're talking to people at work or you're hanging out with friends at the bar or whatever, um, you, you know, you could go to the airport and wear your calf stuff and show up in another town or, or your Indian stuff and, and walk with your head up now and not uh, feel like everybody's giving you that, the, the sympathy nod or whatever. Cause um, it, I just, yeah, I think as just fans here, our whole mindset has changed. 
I know the way I'm looking at these playoff games with the Indians. I, I get nervous still, but um, it's a different kind of nervous. You know, it's it's not like that sense of it's going to be the end of the world. Oh, we're so close, but we're going to, you know, it's getting away from us again. And um, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, no question. I mean, it's it's. The, I mean, the whole town's been sort of on cloud nine since the Cavs thing, and that's that's really rolled over into the Indians. I don't know that, and we've discussed a, a couple times, you know, the the attendance woes that the Indians suffer from, but I I don't think that was really an, a fair indication of the the support that the, the that the team had locally. So, and I think that's definitely showing up here in terms of how, you know, how everybody's been acting for the last month or so, um, and how everyone's rallied behind the team. I'm not gonna go as crazy as to say that it's going to all of a sudden be sellouts every night like it was back no, in the 90s no. but i do think next year you are going to see a significant bump at the gate for the indians throughout the season even in those it, it, it might be you know still some some rough crowds in the early part of the year and um the the bad weather days on weeknights when you know half the players probably don't even want to be there but um, I think on the whole, I know their season ticket numbers are already up because they've been selling season tickets in terms of um, just to, you know, as like an incentive to get you priority access for this year's postseason. And they've had a lot of success with that. But um, I just think by and large, there's there's a real revived uh, interest for wanting to go to the ballpark. And, um, you know, it's one of those things I just said for years, like even when the Indians have been good in the last 15 years, I mean, what was the one recurring theme? It was always when they finally did get a big crowd down there, um, they always fell flat on their face. And it's like this year, time and again, when they've had big crowds, they they show out. And um, I, I think that's really the, the best way to make people want to come back. And I, I think yeah, we're going to see that next year. Yeah, it's been the unexpected guys. I mean, if you look at the playoffs so far, they had some huge games where just – guys that you wouldn't expect to show up and, you know, have a big night necessarily. Like Josh Tomlin obviously pitched his ass off a couple times. Um, the, uh, the kid Barrett the other night, I mean, that that's not supposed to happen in the playoffs. No. Um, those types of scenarios aren't common. They're not – it's not the way it goes usually. Most teams, you know, if they have a guy like that, um, a, a vast majority of the time he, he gets roughed up and um, – potentially cost this team a game our guy goes out there and pitches four and a third shutout and then the five different guys i think go and finish the job for him um the way that this team is put together just makes them incredibly easy to root for um and get behind because you don't have to rely on one guy um a lot of teams you know like if you look at toronto i think if specifically looking at their lineup if they're trying to generate runs um they're looking at those first couple guys in the order. And once you get past those guys, you know, it's like, well, those guys didn't do it. So let's just wait and see if they get back up. Um, a lot of teams are like that. You know, they got a couple guys that you're counting on and those are the guys that people come to see. The Indians don't really have that guy, but they have a lot of guys that are close to that. And that, yeah. that, I, th- I think that's, that's what it is. You, you, no matter what, what guy's coming up, you feel like that guy's got a chance to do it. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's a formula that's carried him this far. So uh let's uh what do you say we go ahead and get into it? You know, I I think as we were just kind of plotting things out and thinking about what we'd want to be talking about uh coming up, I I 
had always kind of penciled in uh, tonight or, or right around this weekend that uh, we'd be doing um, the calf season preview. Cause we, you know, anybody who's been with our show here for a while, you know, that, I mean, the, we really love the Cavs and that really is probably our number one uh, topic and certainly carried us for the first eight months or so. And we kind of, kind of, you know, gave them a break over the summer. Things were pretty quiet for the most part. And I kind of figured this was going to be the time that we'd be playing catch up and here's what you missed over the last four months. But um, got a really good reason to kind of put that on the back burner for another week and a half. We uh, got the world series starting here. So, you know, the Cubs are coming into town tomorrow night and, um, they uh pretty interesting story. I mean, I, I know that what we were talking about at the beginning of the postseason, just kind of how the, the Indians have managed to turn their franchise around from where they were around that 2010, 2011 range. Uh, you know, the Cubs, it was just two years ago, they were 73 and 89. And in, in two years since then now, um, you know, they went to the NLCS last year and this year they won 103 games. And they won their first uh, National League pennant in 71 years. So um, I, I know you and I really both tend to focus way more on the American League, but just kind of from a 10,000 foot view, what um, what do you think of the Cubs? I mean, there's they're yeah, the turnaround's incredible. Um, it's kind of funny when you look at uh, the matchup in this World Series. It's uh, it, it's the two guys that really brought the cut or brought the Red Sox back and Theo Epstein who put the team together and Tito, who was the manager back in the early two thousands. Um, it's kind of funny that they're facing off against each other now, but when you look at the Cubs, they've just, they're truthfully. And I hate to say it. I feel like they're built a lot like the Indians, but just a little bit, I think they have a little more star power. Um, I, and that could just be cause they're the Cubs and we're the Indians. I, I, I guess I don't know. Like you said, I don't follow, um, I don't follow the NL nearly closely enough to to speak, you know, eloquently about how great the Cubs are. But they've got these guys who seem to have been, you know, overnight success, huge names all of a sudden in like Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo. These guys who just blew on the scene and have been, you know, big shots since the day they came on. Um, a lot of good, I mean, they've got a lot of good guys, but those are the, I think the two guys that most everyone knows. And if you follow baseball casually, you know who those two guys are. Um, and then Arietta, obviously the pitcher, um, has been sort of their ace and sort of the, the, uh, the main guy there for their staff, but they're deep everywhere. They're pretty solid everywhere. Um, I guess I admittedly, I can't analyze them too deeply, but, they're a team that worries me. I mean, they won 103 games. They've, they're probably far and away the best team in the league this year during the regular season. So the tribe's going to have their hands full. Yeah. It was interesting to me. I, I did watch quite a few of those national league championship series games. And I mean, that was a team that was in first place in the NL central from basically the first week of the year and straight through the end of the season. I mean, they went almost wire to wire and, they really were up against it in the NLCS. I mean, they fell up behind in that series, two games to one, and they lost the home field advantage by losing one of those first two games. And their bats went cold, and it was a little bit reminiscent of what happened with them last year, I guess. And, you know, they were really facing adversity for the first time this year, and they responded in a huge way. And, 
you know, I, I think a lot of people were probably thinking on Saturday night that, you know, having Clayton Kershaw pitching for the Dodgers meant that uh, if he was going in game six, then it was a pretty safe bet that there was going to be a game seven. And they knocked him around a little bit. I mean, and they slammed the door shut on that series. They won three straight games to close it out and they knocked off Kershaw to, to clinch the pennant. So um, they're the real deal. And, and it's absolutely not a fluke that they're here. And um, like you said, I, I do think that uh, the Cubs in a lot of ways are, are built similar to the Indians because I mean, you had mentioned Jake Arrieta there, who's an awesome pitcher for them. Uh, John Lester is going to throw game one, and we know him from his days with uh, with the Red Sox. Um, and uh, hopefully Tito knows him from uh, their days with the Red Sox. So uh, maybe um, that'll help a little bit. But, um, yeah, it, uh, the other thing, I mean, don't forget, you know, the Indians have got uh, Andrew Miller, is the big weapon out of uh, the tribe bullpen, but they've got a Raldis Chapman, who's uh, you know going to run it up there at 103 miles an hour. Um, so, and he was the other guy that the Yankees were getting rid of at the trade deadline. Yeah, how about that? So if you're the Yankees, your bullpen, you had Dellen Betances, who was an unbelievable reliever in his own right. You had Andrew Miller, who basically carried the Indians through the L- LCS. And then you've got Aroldis Chapman. You had all three of those guys in the bullpen and you trade two of them away and their team ended up somehow getting better after they were sellers at the deadline. What a weird, weird season for the Yankees. It is weird. And they got, I mean, they got better this year, I guess, but I feel like that's going to kill you next year, especially with the way that the league's going. I feel like bullpens becoming way more important these days. Um, and they, you know, I mean, that I don't think that that division's that great. It's not super. Uh, it's not going to be. I don't think it would be that difficult for them to make some slight improvements. And I don't know why I'm going off on the Yankees here, but yeah, forget the Yankees, <laughs> man. They're, they're, the hell with them. I just, I just, I just feel like them basically, you know, they let their young guys come up and they had some success. And it's going to be a matter of whether or not they can pick it up uh, in year two, but. Um, you know, that's that's their issue to worry about next year. And um, Thank you. I thank yeah. them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, the the, uh, the Tribe, it, uh, everybody knows we're going to have Kluber going game one. And I think you were telling me right before we hit record here, sounds like uh, he, he would go game four and then game seven if necessary. I got to think that's that's probable. They were willing to do it against Toronto. So I don't know why they wouldn't do it now. Did did they officially did the Indians officially name Bauer the starter for game two? I don't believe so. I don't believe they've named official starters for game two yet. Okay. Because uh, I could be wrong, but I don't believe so. If it were up to me. ESPN.com does say that it's gonna be Bauer, but okay. I haven't seen that. Alright, because I guess if it were up to me, I kind of feel more confident in Josh Tomlin right now than I do Trevor Bauer. Yeah, the way Tomlin's been pitching, um, it's it's hard not to feel confident in him. And I'm sure there's some other reason behind the Bauer thing. Um, one of the reasons I heard was that, and it, and it makes some sense, was that if Bauer goes in game two and can't make it and you got to go to the bullpen um, early, uh, those guys would then have a day of rest afterwards. As opposed ah. to if they go in game three and the same thing happens, you got to clear out your bullpen and then you got to pitch the next day. 
Um, okay. So that, that can make some sense. I think that could be a part of it. That's the best rationalization I've heard yet. I'm, I'm totally on board with it. If that's where their, where their heads are at, that makes a lot of sense. Um, sounds like we're going to have Danny Salazar back as well. And, uh, I believe I read today that, uh, in a pitching coach, Mickey Calloway had said that, uh, he could go about 65 or 70 pitches. So it'd be nice to have that, uh, that weapon coming in for uh, maybe a long relief type situation. Yeah. No kidding. If he can give you, I mean, if you can get three, four runs or three, four innings out of him at any point, that's pretty incredible. Um, he replaced Cody Anderson, who I don't had he, I don't know if Cody Anderson made an appearance in the playoffs yet. No, I don't think he has. Good, because I kept hearing his name, and I was terrified at the idea of him coming in. Um, Zach McAllister <laughs> was bad enough for me, the one game he got in. So Yeah. Um, but no, that's I mean, that's an interesting one, because if they do have one of those bullpen days where they do, maybe they go merit um, with a short, you know, the short leash with Salazar out there. If you if you do need him in a long, um, if you need him in a long relief situation, that's a, that's a hell of a guy to have out there. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. Which Indian, or Indians, plural, not named Andrew Miller, are you expecting to have a big World Series? Francisco Lindor. That's an easy one. Sure. He's been, I mean, he's been playing awesome so far, and that's a guy who I think is just, he's risen to the occasion every time you want him to. Um, we said it last time, he's a star in the making if he's not already a star. Um, he's a guy that I think everyone that doesn't really follow the Indians and doesn't really maybe watch a ton of baseball. Um, they're going to remember who he is after this series, I think. Okay. Um, Kluber, obviously he's, he's steady as can be. So I don't know that he even counts for that conversation. Um, that was why I put the Andrew Miller disclaimer on it because I feel like that's the most obvious answer. And Kluber is probably right there as well. Yeah. I think Miller, Kluber are going to give you what they always give you, which is great. If they do, you you got to like your chances. Um, I just, I've loved what I've seen out of Lindor so far. I would love to see um, Jose Ramirez get back to what he was doing during the regular season um, where he was maybe the most clutch hitter in baseball. Um, I know his numbers had him right there near the top in terms of like uh, with two outs and with guys in, run, in scoring position situations like that, where he was just incredible. Um, so if he can get back to that, he's kind of, he hasn't had a great postseason. Truthfully, if you look at the numbers outside of Lindor, no one really has had a great postseason. Um, I have a stat for that, by the way. Ooh, give it to me. So the Indians batted 168 in the ALCS. And that is the lowest batting average for a team ever to win a postseason series, whether it was the division series, the league championship series, or the World Series. One sixty-eight, and they still won the ALCS in five games. Yeah, convincingly. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say they will not be able to bat one sixty-eight and win the World Series. I think. Yeah, I think that's probably safe. But although Toronto and Boston's lineups are both really good. So I don't know if you can count on the pitching to continue at the level it's been at. Um, but truthfully, the way they've been pitching specifically with how they're managing the bullpen and whatnot has been unlike anything we've seen. And they didn't do it that as much, nearly as much during the regular season as, as they've done it in the playoffs. Um, Satito, who got named the AL manager of the year today, congratulations to him. Um, he's going to have his work cut out for him. I think he's going to be, 
uh, the key guy in 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 the, in the next week and a half for just putting them in a position to keep doing what they've been doing. Yeah, I'm trying to think, just kind of rack my brain here. I think one of the things that we're going to need to really keep an eye on when this series shifts to Chicago over the weekend is going to be the old uh, pitchers have to hit, no designated hitter. And I'll be really interested to see how that affects the Indians lineup. I saw something today, I think it was Paul Hoynes that tweeted out that um, Carlos Santana was actually taking fly balls in left field. And there was some speculation as to whether that might mean that Santana might need to move uh, into the outfield because, you know, he DHs a lot um, depending on uh, on the pitching matchup and who else is in the lineup. So if they want to get him into the lineup in Chicago, they might have to do that. Um, have you and I ever had this conversation before? Where do you stand on the DH versus no DH thing? I think they just need to put it across both leagues. Um, I don't really care that much whether you do or don't. I just think the leagues need to have the same rule. And I think, I don't think there's any way you'd be able to get them to go back to pitchers hitting in both leagues. Uh, there's no way you'd get that through the players union. So personally, I just think you need to make it consistent across both. I think it's dumb that when you go, uh, especially in the world series where you have to, um, basically you know completely change the way you play for three games or if you're the nl team for four games um it just makes no sense to me i i I can't even think of a relevant example in any other sport where that's the situation but it completely changes the uh, the tone of the game and i think it's stupid that they don't have it consistent i've always felt like it's a huge advantage for the national league in the world series because they're going from the way that they have to play every day to all of a sudden getting to add an extra hitter into their lineup. Whereas American league teams are built around the notion that you have a designated hitter in your lineup. And all of a sudden you're removing a key piece of the way your lineup is designed to fit together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I, I agree with you. It definitely benefits the NL because, um, because the way that they play is inherently a disadvantage. So they're already built to overcome it. Right. As opposed to the AL being the opposite. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I think it is an advantage to them in terms of how to do it, but, uh, Tito's eight, no in world series games, he knows how to manage it. So, well, I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about how they're going to handle that aspect of it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm concerned as much as I'm just kind of curious because the Indians have certainly seemed to kind of find a way to fit their pieces together right now. And they've got a really good thing going and that that's a pretty big wrinkle to have to throw into the mix. So um, it, I'm just really curious to see what the lineup will look like when they go to Chicago and hopefully they go out there with a two game to none lead in the series. But uh, yeah, that's we'll going to look see. funny if you, if you have Santana in the outfield, that's going to look weird. It's going to be frightening. It's going to be terrifying. I'm not even sure. Who, who's he replacing? Probably. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's been um, Coco Crisp and um Geyer playing left field so far and that I know Rajai Davis has played out there a little bit in, in terms of just making some defensive switches and whatnot but um you know that's led to the whole switcheroo with certain situations where they brought Michael Martinez into center field and you know speaking of him there there's actually um you know did you hear the whole thing with Kipnis apparently sprained his ankle yeah yeah 
unbelievable. Of course, like during a celebration. Yeah, he got uh, Teddy Ginn with uh, yeah, with his ankle. I guess so, they're saying he's supposed to be fine, but they said the same thing about Bauer. So right, so we'll, we'll, we'll happen see. to see. But yeah, if, if he can't go, I I think that would that's probably brutal. mean Michael Martinez is playing second base, which yep. again is terrifying. But that's brutal. You know, if, uh, everything else for the Indians has seemed to just kind of fall into place when it makes no no sense whatsoever. That's so fair. That's fair. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I don't know how many times you can keep going to that well, but I'll keep riding it out as long as we can. It's an unconventional strategy. We'll see if it works out for It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Um, uh, yeah, but no, I'm with you. I think, I don't know. I, Michael Martinez is one of the guys that when I watch him play, I'm, I I just can't stand it. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't really have a, there's no real reason behind it, but he's always got one too many buttons undone on his shirt <laughs> and like these necklaces flopping all over, which a lot of guys have, but. With him, it's just like all these things that I hate. He's got them all going on at once. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. The fact that he's not very good doesn't help either. It's certainly not in either of our DNA to uh, irrationally hate somebody that we watch play sports. No, so. no, never. <laughs> we keep this all on the very uh, objective up and up. Absolutely. Hey, let me ask you this. So, you know, we, we got this conversation started with the Cavs, and I think just because of the Cleveland sports drought and the Cavs being the team to finally end that and, and the way they did it and beating the unbeatable Warriors and the whole nine yards really kind of made Cleveland like the feel-good story in sports for the summer. And, um, you know, now we're, we're going into the World Series against the Cubs who haven't won a World Series in 108 years. And I honest to God feel like if we were playing any other team, um, the whole uh, feel-good scenario for Cleveland and the way we're viewed nationally would just keep rolling right on. But given the fact that it is the Cubs that the Indians are playing, are we suddenly the villains here? I don't know for the villains. I, I, I think this is one of those ones where it's hard to really root against anyone. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Cubs aren't they're not the team that should really be the feel good story. Uh, they have a uh, big payroll, um, big market, all that type of stuff that typically is held against you when it comes to picking your uh, baseball fandom. So I'm not sure why exactly everyone's decided to jump on their bandwagon. Um, but for whatever it's worth, I think, I think a lot of people who maybe come in to this series without much, um, without much allegiance will probably find themselves pretty drawn to the Indians. Cause I think they're a really fun team and really easy to root for. Uh, the Cubs may also be, I don't know. Again, I haven't watched them a ton and I don't really care that much about them. I'm, I, I got a dog in this. Uh, I got a horse in this race, so it doesn't really matter to me, but um, I, I don't know. I feel like it, people are, I feel like people are going to get behind the Indians and maybe I'm just a Homer, but I feel like if you watch this team, they're a lot of fun. Every guy on the team enjoys playing together, and they're exactly what you want a baseball team to look like. So I think if uh, if you don't have a uh, if you don't have a preference coming in, I think there's a good chance a lot of people flip to the Indians. You hear that, America? Jump on the uh, the bandwagon with the tribe here. Get on the tribe train, people. That's right. Get on. I do think there's a lot of nostalgia with the Cubs. I mean, I know just when I was growing up. I mean, you'd come home from school in the afternoons and they were always playing weekday afternoon games, WGN. 
Harry Carey singing the take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning, typically about three beers deep. And, uh, you know, it was always that kind of a, a, a comfort to, to have that in the afternoons. And it was always just kind of nice. So you watch the Cubs in the afternoon and then you put on the Indians game at night. And because they were on a channel that was national TV. And um, I, I think that probably helped, but um, yeah, the, even that's really gone away. The WGN national doesn't show the Cubs anymore and they don't really play all, many games in the afternoons, which by the way, while I'm on this, when they go to play, <laughs> this game, is going to be good. I can yeah. Tell. When they go to play game three and four and, and five, if necessary, take a look at how dark it is in the outfield. And like at the pitcher's back, when they're showing the main camera from center field, like I noticed this when, when the NLCS was on, I sort of got, it looked like Clayton Kershaw was standing in a dark alley somewhere. They're doing all these renovations at Wrigley field. I seriously hope that part of the money is going towards adding some extra light stanchions there. It, I, I have no idea how that's okay with major league baseball. It looks horrible. Hmm. I haven't noticed, but I will definitely keep my eye on it. I yeah. Cause it, it, look for it because like the way the lights are set up there, they built them all around the main grandstand in foul territory, but there is absolutely nothing out behind the outfield fence. So it's all lit from one direction. And if you're looking at it from like the, the main center field cam, it looks horrendous. Hmm. Interesting. I will I bring it to my attention when we're playing there again. Point it out to me because I tweeted it's something, something that I haven't noticed, but I, I have a feeling that I'll notice it once you say it. I tweeted about it. I took a screenshot from from the game that uh, Kershaw was pitching, um, and I put it on Twitter. But uh, yeah, when, when they go out there, look for that. And with the Indians probably wearing navy, it'll, I'm sure it'll look even more dramatic. But that's just a little, little tangent there. I'll I'll come down off the soapbox now. Interesting, um. but um, <laughs> also I will say this: I went to Wrigley last year. It's not that great. Oh, no. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And this is going to, yeah. If there are any Cubs listen, okay, whatever. I don't care. Wrigley's a dump. I don't care what you guys say. It's an old stadium. That's all it has going for it. Old isn't better, people. Let's get over this. Oh, it's got ivy on the walls. Who the hell cares? All that ever does is interfere with the game. It does nothing for me. It's got this, people call it like character and everything. I don't give a damn. Make it simple to plan. Like uh, when we were playing Toronto, like the warning track that they had and the, I thought the turf was weird. The way that the ball bounces on the turf was weird, but there was a couple balls that just weird stuff happens because of the way it's, it's set up out in the outfield. That same type of shit happens at Wrigley where the ball gets like lost in the wood, not lost in the Ivy. Why would you want that? Why is that good? Someone give me a reason why that's good other than, Oh, it's always been there. Which is, for the record, a horrible reason to do something. Man. <laughs> oh, That's boy. It. That's it. <laughs> I just had to say it. And I, I went to the game. For, for full disclosure, I had a great time at the game. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching the team. But let's not get all pumped about how, you know, this place is old, so it's awesome. Get over I, it. I, I have not been to Wrigley since uh 04 that was and i had been there once in the 90s as well um but um I, I i'm a fan i don't know maybe it has not aged as well in the last 12 years but uh oh boy i mean it's um, fine i sat in the bleachers in the outfield it was fine it was no different than any other game i've been to though i wasn't like awestruck by it 
And again, the ivy. What's the point? Explain to me the point of the ivy. Go. There's a story behind that, and I do not remember what it is, so I I, I can't uh, I can't help you here. Okay. The the story has to be we want this thing to screw up the game. Let's <laughs> put it across the you know, let's cover the outfield and this thing that can, you know, lose the ball. That's perfect. That's exactly what baseball So means. we hate the lights, we hate the ivy. Um we're going to have, also, there's a whole lot of Cubs fans. You know, I was out uh, outside of uh, my office today because I, I work across the street from the, the park and I took a lap around uh, Progressive Field. I just kind of take in the sights and see what's going on. Got to admit, I saw quite a few Cubs jerseys, people coming into town and claiming their tickets at will call and everything. So uh, when uh, when we have an angry mob showing up with uh, torches and pitchforks for our um, our uh, our thoughts and opinions on their, their stadium, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you know who it is, right? Who's that? You know, who's going to show up. Who's that? Who's going to show up? The cocksuckers. <laughs> the other 15% of the, the other 15%, 85% of the world's working. The other 15%. Was that Lee Elia? Lee Elia. Classic. Still holds up to this day. <laughs> All-time manager rant right there. I've forgotten about that. Oh, my God. Yes, if, if you haven't heard it, if you're listening and you haven't heard it, just Google Lee Elia rant. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Anything else on the World Series here? Uh, no, not really. Are, are you going to any of the games? Did you take out a second mortgage? Fuck no, man. I got bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get them when they went on public sale um, three different times. Uh, struck out all three times. I I can't justify spending a thousand bucks to go watch a baseball game. I was going to say that the the official dugout hoodie was even out of my uh, price range. So tickets to the actual game itself. Um, I did not win the contest from Elk and Elk, and uh, I did not win the Indians ticket giveaway on Twitter. So I too yeah, will I be... almost uh, I almost submitted a uh, credential request for the nail. But, uh, <laughs> hey, we got uh, we we got in once somewhere, but uh, not uh, Major League Baseball might take a little longer to get back to us. Might, yeah, might might slow us down a little bit, but um, we might have to wait for year three for that. <laughs> cross our fingers. <laughs> um, but no, I, you were just mentioning the merch and the sweatshirts. Like, I don't understand these people that buy a sweat like an eighty dollars sweatshirt every round. I know. They come out with new gear every time they win a game. It's like Jesus, people. I got to tell you, aren't bad enough. The the World Series hoodie, and you're going to see all the players wearing them tomorrow night. It's awesome, and I so wanted to buy one last night. I was looking, and I actually had it. I had a deal at at, uh, uh, a little discount code for uh, Coles when I was in there um, getting birthday presents for my dad. Hey, uh, happy birthday to the chairman, by the way. My dad uh, birthday today, so. yeah, um, I was in there and I was looking at it, and and I could have gotten the sweatshirt, the the hoodie on a discount. Is it the one but, with the flag on it? Uh, no, it's um, it, it it's got World Series and uh, the logo across the chest and the block C underneath it, and that uh, you know, just more of the, the World Series logo. But um, uh, it was nice. But uh, yeah, I I don't know, man. And, and they I'm they've not, been selling I'm those not in different the dis- merch before the before you won, guy. What's I like ahead? Wait till I'm not buy like you know. Hey, we made it to this game. Let's buy stuff. I'm buy it after you won it. 
Yeah, that's you know that's normally. I wear it if I wear it twice for the baseball game and then they lose. I'm just pissed off. I got this eighty dollars sweatshirt that I don't want anything to do with. Yeah. Like if if you bought that sweatshirt and it's a great sweatshirt and you love it, and then they lose, isn't it just tainted for you forever? Uh or are you positive guy? Like, hey, it was cool. It was fun that we got there. So let's still remember it. You know what? I can't do that. I'm too the, bitter. The, the Cavs, like man. I, I specifically with the Cavs did not buy anything until after they won the finals. And then I went crazy. I, a side note on that. I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. But, um, and I loved the hats that they got for winning the Eastern Conference finals. But was that um, the gray one? The gray one that like literally everybody bought. That and you couldn't, sharp, yeah. you couldn't find anywhere. But yeah, I, I didn't even buy that because for me, the Cavs, it was like, I, I, I've been here. I've seen this. I've, I've done this. And now it's about winning the whole thing. The Indians, though, I don't know if it's just because they haven't been in the World Series in 19 years. But um, I, I, this has been a feel-good season for them. And uh, it, this has just been such a likable group that no matter how the World Series turns out, I'm going to look back on this year with a lot of good memories. So. Um, I, I'd, I'd probably be okay with, with, you know, win, win or lose still well, uh, on the plus side, even if they lose that sweatshirt's going to be 30 bucks next week. So <laughs> there you go. Wait, wait a little bit, but I, I did, I just looked it up here. It's pretty sharp sweatshirt. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. No. So don't, hey, don't let me stop you with my bitterness and anger. <laughs> you do it. I'd normally be right there with you. This, this has been different though. And it's, why I think we've talked about the Indians way more than I ever figured we would this year, but um, um, but no, just talking about um, the, the merch. So I saw that Kroger stores down in the Columbus area were selling Cavs no. championship bobbleheads, okay. and if you know me, you know I'm a big bobblehead guy. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, those are pretty cool. I wonder if they're selling them anywhere around here in Cleveland. And I looked at like every store that I was in, I'd go look like, all right, where's your Cavs merchandise? Let's see if they have them. And no stores around here had them. And I was down in Columbus for a wedding over the weekend. And I had to uh, make a run to the store on Friday night. And it was kind of late, like 11 o'clock, but we needed something for the next Where morning. Were Not what, to sidetrack, we're in Columbus, right? We, uh, well, we stayed on Friday night in Dublin, and okay. then um, the wedding that we went to on Saturday afternoon was actually like an hour away in Yellow Springs, which was okay. a nice little small town. But um, we just because uh, we had to be there pretty early on Saturday, we we decided to just go into Columbus on Friday night. And um, so, yeah, we had to like make a run to the store and they uh, it, it turned out the store that we ended up going to that was right by our hotel was a Kroger. And um it occurred to uh, to me, and I, w- I was with our, our buddy Rolo at the time because he was interested in these too. He said to me, he's like, wasn't there something at a Kroger that you wanted to get? And all of a sudden, like the light went on for both of us. It was like, holy shit, the bobbleheads. So there we were, like a couple of idiots on a Friday night in <laughs> suburban Columbus, each walking out with as many bobbleheads as we could carry. So, nice. I, so I now have um, a, a, a four uh, J.R. Smith, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love bobbleheads all on the shelf here at my basement. So it's uh, nice. a, a very nice uh, collection to, to, to add. 
Good pull, my man. No, I, you sent me that thing, and I sent it actually to one of my friends who lives down there. He works right by Kroger. He goes there like every day, he says. Um, he said he checked, and he didn't see anything, but that was right in the middle of downtown. So Okay, yeah. Go, go to the one to up the by, by Dublin. They had a whole a whole thing up by the by the front register. They also had huh. Deli and uh, Tristan Thompson, but I, I, I had to show some restraint. Hell of a deal, though. They were buy one, get one. So Nice. Not bad at all. Uh, Hey, speaking of Columbus, um, the football team from Columbus, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't want to totally bum you out, but, um, you know, uh, I was in Columbus on Friday night, Saturday night. uh, I I had had a very long afternoon of uh, sipping beverages and um, enjoying wedding festivities. I was kind of dragging by the end of the night, but uh, I, I... did I fall asleep and dream, or did I really see them lose at Penn State? Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, it was. It was all bad. I tell you. Um, I was dumbfounded by what I was seeing in the fourth quarter with their offensive line. Painful. They were getting abused, and it was it was unlike anything I've seen at least in the last several years in terms of offensive line play like JT Barrett played a pretty pedestrian game but um his offensive line was just dreadful he was getting beaten up the whole time um and just a bunch of stupid mistakes like they got a a field goal blocked because for some goddamn reason they decided to rush out and try to get a snap off instead of just using a fucking timeout um got a punt blocked which hasn't happened I don't think this year um bunch of just stupid mistakes and and if you watch the game i want to say penn state completed like seven passes so on that blocked punt or on the blocked uh field goal it ended up going back for a touchdown had they a just kicked the ball or b kicked it and missed or b uh just punted it very high likelihood that they still end up winning the game because penn state was not moving the ball at all um, we need a trestle ball. Oh my God. They needed something. They just needed someone to jump in and say, why are we running guys out on the field with 10 seconds to try and get this snap off? They got outscored by 17 points in the fourth quarter. Um, just nothing about it makes sense. And, and they're, cons- they won the stat game. The stat sheet looks way better for Ohio state than it does for Penn state, but they just, handed them the game at the end sorry they completed eight passes eight of 23 my goodness Um, yeah just a a couple things here and there and they didn't play that well but they absolutely should have won uh there was one egregiously bad pass interference call but they made some couple stupid mistakes before that so it's hard to blame it on one call but um it's funny because they got the ball back and you're like, well, okay, they got the ball. They need to put one drive together. I think they're capable. Let's see if they do it. And then they miss this horrible pass interference, which if you go back and watch it, it's just infuriating. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I did. It's painful to watch. It's like, how are you standing there? And you don't see this. It's, it's textbook. And then the next play Barrett gets sacked and it's fourth and 23 and it's the game's over at that point. Um, and he had, I mean, the wide receiver had two steps on the guy, and he was, um, he was off to the races if he if he didn't, get, you know, he was either getting a thirty something yard gain or uh, taking it for a touchdown. So that's a huge play, but 
it's obviously not the whole game, um, but it's still still a step backwards. Here's but, the thing, though. I, I, I was going to say that there are a couple things that had me scratch in my head there. It was number one, Curtis Samuel only getting the ball 10 times for the entire game. Seems pretty egregious. Number two, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was the second week in a row that Ohio State was playing a road game in primetime against a team that was coming off a bye, right? Yep. yep. That's kind of brutal. I, that's yeah, and it's, it's it's sort of a it's not a great excuse, but yeah, that that definitely is a factor. You ask anyone, they'll tell you that week off helps. But the, the silver lining of all this is, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think that matters. Losing that game, I mean, you're if if Ohio State wins out the rest of as the long way, as Michigan wins out, yeah, I. I if I, Michigan loses a game before Ohio State, then all of a sudden Penn State jumps ahead of them in the standings, and Penn State would go to the Big Ten championship game. So I mean, that's also assuming Ohio State fans. That's assuming that Penn State, Penn wins, State out. wins out, right? But, but for all intents and purposes, the only way that Ohio State really controls their destiny is if Michigan doesn't lose. Okay. Um, but I'm with you. I don't think Penn State's going to win out. No. Um, they're okay. They're they're a decent little team, but um, I, you see how I throw that little in there? It's like that that sort of insulting compliment that I that I do. But uh, they're an okay team. But yeah, I mean, I think they got a couple decent teams left on their schedule. I know they play Michigan State. I think they play Iowa. Um, they avoided Nebraska, and they avoided Wisconsin this year, so that's helpful for them. But um. Truthfully, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're a little worried about how they're going to play against Michigan at this point. That's your bigger concern. Not, you know, are they going to make the Big Ten game? It's how are they going to get to get back to the level we saw six weeks ago when they played Oklahoma? Yeah, it's it's all in front of them. I mean, I I think what we've seen from the Urban Meyer coach teams is they they tend to, you know. Those losses really kick their asses into gear. Right. You know, it happened a couple of years ago with the Virginia Tech game, and um, you know, it happened last year. It happened last year. It just unfortunately the loss to Michigan State came at like the worst possible time. Yeah. But yep. I mean, every game they played after that, they were a wrecking crew. So um, I, I do think this year, if things outside of their control go the way that we would expect them to go, um, you would have to assume that if Ohio State, I know people are trying to make a case for some other schools and other conferences. But, I mean, if Ohio State would end the season with a Big Ten championship, having beaten by that time Michigan, Michigan, um, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma, there's no way in hell they're getting left out of the playoff. I mean, there's no chance. Yeah, no, I think, think, well, now that there's there's not going to be a non-Power 5 team out, if you win your conference – You've got a damn good shot, and Ohio State's going to have – I mean, Oklahoma looks like they're probably going to win the Big 12, um, even though I don't know if you saw that game they had with Texas Tech this weekend. Um, defense was a uh, low priority, to say the least. Oh, boy. 66-59 um, to 59 was the final. Um, Sounds like I a good Big Ten basketball game. I want to say they combined for over 1,700 yards of offense. Um it was 
arena football. It was the worst like defense I've ever seen at the college level for big teams. Um, embarrassing, I think. And, and a lot of people look at it like, oh, you know, just two really good offenses. No, it was just two horrible defenses. Horrible defenses. That's Big 12 football. I mean, that's a, yeah, that... not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> the kid for Texas Tech at the passing record. He threw wow. 88 passes. 88 passes for 734 yards. Wow. That's insane. Insane. Um, but anyways, uh, you have to think if, if they're going to pick from the conference champions primarily, Ohio State's going to have a leg up on anyone out of the Big 12. It looks like it's going to be Oklahoma, but they definitely have the leg up over them. Um, Alabama right now is just steamrolling everyone, so unless they choke against Auburn again, um, they'll probably be the, I mean, they'll be the prohibitive one seed and someone will have to knock them off, but it's going to be, you know, best of the other three of the four conference champions, I think. And if Ohio state wins out and wins that, uh, wins the big 10, you got to think they're probably a lock for it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say Ohio state right now, their priority should be, I think just trying to get the two or the three seed in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know. I think it's not, yeah, I don't think as brutal as that game was and how they played, um, I don't, they're, they're definitely not out of it. They're still in the hunt for sure. And yeah. they, you just have to hope, I think they'll remember that Urban Meyer has shown that he doesn't let, uh, doesn't let losses derail things. It's incredible. This is what his fifth year coaching Ohio state. His fifth loss. Fifth loss, and that's the first time he's ever lost a true road game as coaching or as the coach at Ohio State. Yep, that's yep. that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's it's also the reason that Ohio State fans lose their fucking minds when <laughs> when you lose those types of games. They're so not used to it; they don't really know how to handle it. It's a high bar um, to clear. Yeah, it's insane. Wow. Insanity. Well, uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. All uh, right. What do you, what do you, what, what's your game plan tomorrow? Watching at home? It's a good question. I, I don't know. I've, uh, I've not decided yet. I'm going to be a game time decision for, for game one, much like, uh, Jason Kipnis's ankle. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. Are you, are uh, you heading down to the bar somewhere? I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably end up at a bar down there somewhere. I don't know where exactly I'll play good. it by ear. Good luck finding parking. Oh, I'm not driving down there. Get out of here. It's oh. a $9 Uber for me. Uh, Charge it to the game, my man. Uh, <laughs> on a normal night, I, I I cringe at the thought of the surge pricing, but uh, that is the, the, the dice you're willing to roll, I suppose. Yeah, I got a couple friends that work down there, too, and they have free parking. So all I need to do is get down there, and I can get a ride home. All right. So I feel all right about my choice. Definitely, I'd rather, I'd rather pay double the price than... A, have to pay for parking, and B, have to be stone-cold sober when I drive home. <laughs> so, I'll be all right. I'll make it. All I'll right. live. Sounds good. Got to well, be around it, you know? Oh, and the Cavs tip off tomorrow. One thing we didn't even touch on. That's right. Hey, you know, yeah. that actually, that I'm I'm glad you brought that up, because I was meaning to ask you, is your name on the banner? I haven't seen it. Is there a full thing out there where you can see your name? I don't know, but um, I don't know. I saw, I saw a high-res image of it, but I think it was only like the first half of the alphabet, so my name was not on it. Okay. But it should be. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like full-season ticket holders or, or everybody, because you've got, what, the 10 or the 20? 
I got the yeah, I got the ten game package. That's My name was on the floor. Wow. That that even in and of itself is is pretty awesome. But I mean, if your name's on the banner, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty jealous. But you won't even see it. No, but you'll know it's there. That's true. That's pretty I, awesome. I'm surprised that I looked when they first unveiled it. Like I assumed that they would have like a high res image of it somewhere. Um and I haven't followed up since it first came out. They may have released one since then, but um yeah, I definitely want to find my name on it. I'm sure it it better be or I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> Real pissed. They could just tell me. Yeah, it's on there and we got it. It's good. Well, yeah, they're they're sewing it in between the other yeah, layers. Yeah, they never so. actually even put that thing in between it. That was too much work. That was all. <laughs> no, uh, I, that's a really cool touch. I don't think I've ever heard of any team doing anything like that. So, yeah, um, they've shown uh, they've definitely gone above and beyond. I think with, um, with everything since they won. Obviously, uh, I think they're updating the, uh, the LeBron banner if they haven't already. That's done. They they, they just finished. It's it's back up today. With just that little touch on the back of his jersey. Yep. Um, and that new Kyrie sign is awesome yes so everything's coming up cleveland right now take your shots and i'll take mine <laughs> fantastic fantastic line oh. everything about it's everything about it's great right now oh everything's so. coming up cleveland well hopefully Absolutely. we get four more with the tribe and then uh you know maybe maybe we'll be uh, meeting up at another parade that'd be fun can't wait yeah and uh then we will uh we'll, we'll, we'll get into the Cavs uh proper um, I'm looking forward to getting back to basketball. Um, th- this is a pretty good reason to put that on pause for just a little bit, but yeah, no question. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, uh, it'll be fun. Great time to be great time to be around this area, I think. Um, and it's, it's weird. I moved back to Cleveland 18 months ago, give or take last March. And I've been pretty spoiled since I came back. Maybe I was the missing ingredient the whole time. I don't know. But um, it's it's going to be a good, uh, fun next week, I think, regardless of what happens. And I've, I think I've told you this, like, I, I came into the playoffs with all the injuries that the Indians had, like, kind of thinking, you know, anything that happens after this is just playing with house money. I'm all in at this point. <laughs> I'm going to be crushed if they don't win. And that may not be fair. Um, but when it first happens, it's going to hurt a lot if they don't win. Um, so let's hope that uh, they avoid that feeling. Yeah, I'm with you, bud. It, uh, it'll be fun, and um, I don't know. I might, I might just have to go out to the store and pick up that hoodie. I don't know. Get after it, my man. <laughs> Do it. All right. Yo- Yolo, isn't that what the kids say these days? <laughs> Yolo. I don't think I could pull that off. <laughs> yeah, don't. No. Don't. You're not supposed to. No. You're grown. <sighs> That's true. All right. Anyways. Well, <laughs> go ahead. No, you're good. I'm just saying we're at that point where we're uh, we're just kind <laughs> of just sort of hitting a wall. I think. we're we're in garbage we've, time here. We've, so. Yeah, we've exa- we've exhausted all our takes. That is my cue to say, uh, hey everybody, thanks for listening to us for the past year. And uh, whether you picked us up on day one or you've uh, discovered the show somewhere along the way and decided to stick around, um, we really appreciate it. Um, we're on to year two, and uh, we're going to keep going forward. Keep doing this, and um, hopefully, uh, Cleveland teams keep it rolling as well. And uh, it's uh, good times in the land. And uh, you know, as always, you can 
catch all of our old shows on uh, thenailpodcast.com. You can go subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music. And uh, we will be back soon. Um, probably, uh, maybe the World Series will still be going on. Um, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, until then, uh, go Tribe, go Cavs. And uh, we, will, uh, we will talk to you soon. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 